Hello. My privilege today is to kick off our new series called Faith for Unusual Times. And we're going to be working our way through 1 Peter. I find it quite amazing that even though Peter was the leader of the 12 disciples, that only two short books in the New Testament bear his name. Peter was, of course, one of the 12 disciples. He was, in all likelihood, the first of the disciples that Jesus called to follow him. And whenever we find a list of the 12 disciples, Peter is always listed first. And Peter really was an amazing guy. He was a hard-charging character. It, out of all of the disciples, it's Peter who wants to try walking on water. It's Peter who is the first to recognize Jesus' true identity. It's to Peter that Jesus says, on this, my rock, I'm going to build my church. When Jesus shares news that he's going to be put to death, it's Peter that takes Jesus aside and says, Lord, I'm not going to allow this to happen to you. It's Peter who tries to kill one of the guards who, who are there with the party trying to arrest Jesus. It's Peter that follows from a distance when Jesus has been led to trial. It's Peter who is the person who's leading the 120 disciples in the upper room just before Pentecost. And it's Peter who stands up to preach after the Spirit is poured out. It is also Peter who heals the lame man sitting at the temple when he says, silver and gold I don't have to give you, but what I do have, the power of God, I give to you in the name of Jesus. Stand up and walk. In Acts 5.15, we read that people held Peter in such high esteem that sick people were brought out in the hope that Peter's shadow might fall upon them and bring about healing. So he is an amazing figure in the New Testament, yet only two short books bear his name. Most of the New Testament was written by Luke because he wrote the Gospel of Luke and the Book of Acts. And he was a doctor. He was not one of Jesus' 12 disciples. And then, of course, the Apostle Paul wrote the, the, the next um, great amount of the New Testament. And he, too, wasn't one of the original 12 disciples, but was added to that foundational group of apostles. So before we get into 1 Peter, I thought let's focus on the man Peter to, to, to truly try to, to understand him. Peter's one of these guys in the Bible that had more than one name. And this can make things a little bit complicated when you're reading stories. You know, is this Simon? Is this Peter? Is this a different person? Well, when people live in and out of more than one culture, sometimes they do go by different names. If we use the name Peter, perhaps a person in an Afrikaans context will be referred to as Peter. But when he's with his English uh, workmates or whatever it might be, they might call him Peter, even though his parents call him something else. So our friend Peter had a variety of names. In Hebrew, he was called Simon or Simeon or Shimon. 
We also know his surname. He was Simon Bar Jonas. And to say Bar somebody, that is the Hebrew way for saying son of, a little bit like the Dutch fun. He also had an Aramaic name, and that's the name Cephas, which also means rock. And of course, his Greek name was Petros, but we in the English call him Peter. His father was a man named John, and he had a brother called Andrew, who was also one of the twelve disciples. He was a fisherman living in Bethsaida on the Sea of Galilee, and he had a fishing business with the sons of Zebedee, uh, James and John. And we also know that Peter was married, and I would speculate that he would have had a family, there would have been children, and uh, Peter is a family man involved in a family fishing business. We come across Peter's calling in Luke chapter 5. Let's read this together. One day as Jesus was standing by the lake, of Galilee, with the people crowding around and everyone listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and he asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he'd finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the son of Zebedee, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything and followed him. So this is how Peter became a follower of Jesus. He was just mending his nets. It had been a a normal day at work. He was minding his own business when this traveling preacher came by, started speaking to the crowds and later wanted to use his boat. Going out on the water a little bit would enable Jesus' voice to travel further over the water and reach more people. And so as a thank you to Peter for the use of his boat, Jesus rewarded Peter with a massive catch of fish. Peter had been fishing all night. They had caught nothing and he wasn't very enthusiastic. But Jesus' power was revealed that day in the miraculous catch of fish. Peter and his friends would have heard Jesus teaching about the kingdom of God. And now this demonstration of Jesus' supernatural power is the last straw. 
And we see how Peter responds. He falls at Jesus' knees and he says, get away from me, Lord. I'm unworthy to be in your presence. I am a sinful man. And so something is happening in Peter's heart as he sees the power of God revealed in this miraculous catch of fish. And then Jesus says to him, don't be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. So that's the amazing story of how Peter became a follower of Jesus. We probably know more about Peter's personality than about any any of the other disciples' personalities. He was an extrovert. He was a loudmouth. He was the kind of person that spoke first and thought later. Perhaps personality-wise, Jesus had quite a lot in common with his business partners, James and John. Their nicknames were the Sons of Thunder because they no doubt had quick tempers. Remember I, I shared earlier how it is, is strange that though Peter is the leading disciple, the leader of the disciples, that only two books, short books of that, bear his name in the New Testament. Well, in all likelihood, Peter is in fact the source that Mark uses for his gospel. Mark wasn't one of the 12 disciples, and so Mark must have got his information from somewhere. But there's a more compelling reason. When one studies all of the gospels, all four of them, and you look at how each author presents their material, you see that they each have a unique style, a unique uh, motive and they're addressing a particular audience. We all know that Matthew's gospel is written for Jewish people, John's gospel for Greek people, and it's a little bit more philosophical. So each of the gospel writers has their own style. And when you look at uh, Mark's gospel, one can see how Mark deals with all of the material that has to do with Peter. Peter did some crazy things, and in, all, and in most of the Gospels, there, there are times when Peter doesn't look that good. He, he doesn't look like such a great disciple. And it's interesting that in Mark's Gospel, Peter is always treated with a great deal of respect. It's like Peter is there dictating to Mark and, and giving Mark material for his gospel. And whenever it comes to something that, that doesn't show Peter in a good light, out of respect, Mark just leaves it out. And we see this often, often for example, when we read about Peter's conversion, he says, get away from me, Jesus, I'm a sinful man. But in Mark's gospel, there's no mention of that. And there are, there are a whole lot of other examples <coughs> which will appear on the screen right now. There's Peter's foolish statement uh, that Luke records in chapter 8. But when Mark records it, the same story in Mark 5, that foolish statement of Peter is, is left out. And there, there are other times... Peter's lack of faith, his rash statements, these don't appear in Mark's gospel. And people have said, well, that's because Mark has this great respect for his source, Peter. Although perhaps some of the other disciples don't treat Peter with the same amount of deference. 
We also find in Mark's gospel some, uh, some incidental detail, almost irrelevant comments relating to Peter. Uh, Peter's search for Jesus, Peter's house in Capernaum, Peter's identification of the fig tree. This is information that wouldn't really make too much difference to the stories. But Mark includes this eyewitness material because he's with Peter and Peter is his source. So in some ways we can think of Mark's gospel as really being Simon Peter's gospel as well, simply written and produced by Mark. But back to Peter's personality. He's been described as being hopeful, bold, confident, courageous, frank, impulsive, energetic, vigorous and strong and loving and faithful. This is, this is the man, Peter. There was, there was just something about Peter that did set him apart from the other disciples. There was something about Peter that made Jesus choose Peter to be the leader, even though Peter had a closer relationship with John, who was the disciple that Jesus loved. Let me just uh, remind you of some of the, the highlights from Peter's life that do reveal his great faith and his good character. Remember in Matthew 14, when Jesus appears at night walking on the lake and it's stormy and everybody's scared. It is Peter who says, Lord, if it's you, tell me to, to come out on the water and, and walk with you. It's Peter that initiates this water walking and he gets it right not for very long but Peter did walk on the water which is way more than the other disciples did it's also Peter who is the first to acknowledge the true identity of Jesus remember when Jesus took his disciples on a retreat and he's saying who do people say that I am and the 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 answers are given. Well, some people say you're Elijah, others Jeremiah, others think you're John the Baptist. Jesus says, who do you say I am? And Peter's answer is, I know who you are. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus replies, blessed are you, Peter. For this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Peter was also super passionate after Jesus has explained that he's going to be handed over to the authorities and, and crucified, Peter takes him aside and says, Lord, this, this will never happen. I'm not going to allow it. He was the kind of friend who had your back, who, who cared about those whom he loved. But Jesus also has to rebuke Peter and say to him, no, Peter, you've got this wrong. Get behind me, 
adversary. You're a stumbling block to me because you don't have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. But this incident does show Peter's heart, his willingness to stand up for Jesus, to protect Jesus at all costs. Peter did also suffer, however, from overconfidence, from too much confidence in his own abilities. Think of the scripture, Luke 22. There Jesus says to him, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. He wants to test you, throw you up in the air and see what comes down. Satan wants to sift you like wheat. But I've prayed for you. And when you have turned back, strengthen other people. Peter, the devil's out to destroy you. And listen to Peter's overconfident reply. He replied, Lord, I am ready to go with you to prison and to death. What commitment, what dedication we might think. And I'm sure Peter believed his own declaration 100%. And all the other disciples said the same thing. But Jesus is not taken in by his overconfidence and says to him, Peter, before the rooster crows today, you will deny three times that you know me. And we know how that story ended. It's a sobering story because it reminds us as Christians to be humble, to not be overconfident when it comes to our commitment to and our relationship with the Lord. One other low point when it comes to Peter is that he attempted to murder this, this man that was with the guards when they arrested Jesus. He just slashed out wildly with his sword and cuts off, I think it's Malchus's ear, and Jesus has to, to heal him. But again, it reveals Peter's passion and Peter trying to accomplish things in his own strength. Let's skip now to the end of John's gospel. They're all fishing again. They've gone back to fishing. They have to earn a living. They've been traumatized by Jesus' death. They've been following Jesus for three whole years. Now he's gone. They go back to fishing to put food on the table. And they're having a bad day fishing and they're, they're catching nothing. And they see a stranger walking on the beach in the distance. And the stranger shouts out, have you caught anything? And then the stranger says, well, throw your net on the right side of the boat. And that will help. I can imagine a few sarcastic comments being uttered on that boat. Yes, silly us, we've been fishing off the wrong side of our two meter wide boat. That's going to make a huge difference going off the other side. But they give it a try. Perhaps they remember that it's worked before because of the power of God. 
and then they take in a huge catch of fish. Verse 7 of John 21 tells us, Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It's the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It's the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from the shore, about a hundred yards. Do you see how much Peter loves Jesus? The other disciples are content to stay in the boat with their fish. Even John, the disciple that Jesus loved, stays with the boat, but not Peter. He grabs his cloak and he dives into the water and he swims or wades the, the hundred yards to the shore. Now Jesus has a personal and private conversation with Peter. Three times Peter is denied knowing Jesus. Now three times Jesus gives him an opportunity to, to restore his, his commitment to Jesus. Jesus says, Simon, do you love me more than these, these guys, this fishing equipment? Do you love me more than these, these people? Simon's reply is, you know I love you. Jesus says to him, feed my lambs. Then there's the second round of questioning. Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Take care of my sheep. The third time, Simon, do you love me? Peter was hurt because the Lord had asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And then the commissioning once again, feed my sheep. Peter is showing so much more humility now. Previously, when Jesus has said, do you love me? Do you have agape love for me? Peter's reply is a more humble, Lord, you know I have great affection, phileo, towards you. This is a new Peter, a Peter that God is going to use greatly. And we know that the, the first 15 chapters of the book of Acts are all about Peter and the great things that God did through him. I want to speak now briefly as I wrap things up about Peter's first letter, 1 Peter. So people have looked at the literature of 1 Peter and said, wow, this is really great Greek. This is very well written. Could a Galilean fisherman have written like this? And there 1 Peter 5 verse 12 is helpful because there Peter tells us, with the help of Silas, whom I regard as a faithful brother, I've written to you briefly. So, so Peter got help in writing 1 Peter. Perhaps he wasn't that good at, at Greek and at writing. But Silas is there as Peter's secretary, putting into excellent Greek what Peter had to say and to write. So 
This is a, a letter by Peter, but written with the help of Silas. And in preparing for the sermon series, I, I sat down and I read through 1 Peter two or three times. And I would encourage you to do that. It doesn't take too long. There are just five short chapters. I wanted to get a feel for myself of what 1 Peter was, was all about. And I've come to the conclusion that 1 Peter is all about Christians enduring hard times, Christians experiencing suffering. That's the theme of this book. Sometimes it's because life is just hard, and on other occasions it's because of persecution. And each and every chapter of 1 Peter deals with the suffering of Christians. In 1 Peter 1, verse 6, we read, you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. In the second chapter, in verse 19, he talks about if you've had to endure the pain of unjust suffering, that's commendable, Peter says. If you suffer for doing good, that too is commendable. In chapter 3, Peter writes, if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Verse 17, it is, it is better if it is God's will to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. In chapter 4, he writes about, don't be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering. And in verse 16 of chapter 4, he writes, If you suffer as a Christian, don't be ashamed, but praise God. Verse 19, Those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. So Peter writes a lot about suffering and even suffering according to God's will. And in the fifth chapter, he talks about our brethren throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And that after we've suffered for a little while, he himself will restore us. So every single chapter of 1 Peter deals with the theme of suffering as a Christian. And on three separate occasions in 1 Peter, Peter tells us that Jesus is our example when we are suffering. We're to look at how Jesus conducted himself when he was treated unjustly, when he was persecuted, when he experienced pain. We're to look at the example of Jesus and follow that example. So here are some of those 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 references in Peter that tell us to, to look to Christ. In the second chapter, we read, if you suffer for doing good, it's commendable if you endure it. To this you are called, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. 
Unfortunately, suffering is very much part of the Christian experience. Sometimes we suffer just because we're living in a fallen world. Other times we suffer because of other people's evil actions, as with persecution. There was a time when Peter walked on water. There was a time when Peter's shadow passing by, passing over, could bring healing to someone. There are those mountaintop experiences in the Christian life. But far more often than those great experiences were times of hardships. And Peter writes his first epistle to encourage Christians experiencing hardship. Church tradition tells us that persecution got so bad that four years after the great fire of Rome, Emperor Nero crucified Peter. And out of his love and admiration for the Lord, he asked to be crucified upside down because he didn't deem himself worthy to be crucified the way Jesus had been. I hope that you will join with us for the rest of the series as we unpack Peter's first letter, chapter by chapter, as we grow in our faith for these unusual times. God bless you. Pray with me. Thank you, Lord, for the example of Jesus, that he was familiar with suffering and that he endured it so well. And we pray, Lord, that whatever the, the reason for our hardships and our suffering, we pray for your grace to sustain us. And we pray that we would be inspired by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, that you've promised to never leave us or forsake us. Thank you that you've promised that no temptation or trial will come our way, that you won't also give us the strength to overcome. But we pray, Father God, that you would lead us not into temptation and trial, but that you would deliver us from evil. We worship you, we adore you, we praise you, we thank you, Lord. And we offer all these prayers in Jesus' name. Amen.